Hello, everybody. I'm Clay Brees, and this is The Point. We unpack the objective truth. This blue-chip discussion is for all of Southeast Pennsylvania and the Delaware Valley. The Point is the place to be for compelling, distinct discussion not heard anywhere else. We supremely uncover the details and expose the hidden facts of the initiatives that are being supported by our lawmakers and our candidates who are running for office. And we discuss the developments and the milestones that are not being thoroughly reported by the Pravda propaganda fake news activist news media. Today, I'm going to be jumping into this. First off, I want to thank, as I do in all my shows, I want to thank everybody for uh, making us your 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 guiding light in times of this political upheaval like we're seeing right now. I think you do it, as I believe most do, as I think all do, is because we do unpack the truth in a way that that does truly pack a punch. And that's why we're all here. That's why I'm here every week, and I think that's why our listeners are here every week as well. So thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it. Well, here we are on day, I think it's 75 of Tom Wolf's flatten the economy shutdown. Now, what we're seeing, uh, we, we see now recoveries in the state of Pennsylvania outnumbering new infections by like two to one or maybe three to one, but certainly a lot more for everyone. We see hospitalizations dropping significantly. We're about 35% less from where we were just uh, about uh, 14 days ago. We now have a little over, oh, about, I guess, uh, 1,400 or 1,200 people, I guess, 1,200 people hospitalized from COVID in Pennsylvania. I I haven't checked the website today, but I mean, as of a few days ago, it was sitting at about 1,400 or so. And, you know, we still see an effort to keep business from opening up. I mean, that's really what's amazing to me. And, I mean, the curve's gone. I mean, the, the, the original discussion was flatten the curve. And I think it's gone from that to now flatten the economy. You know, the reason they wanted to flatten the curve, what, what they were telling everybody in Pennsylvania, New York, all these other states is we have to shut down the states because we're getting overrun in the hospitals. We, we're, we're nervous that we're going to be having, we're going to have our hospital beds shortened and, and run out of beds for people with COVID. So here in Pennsylvania, they had actually uh, directed um, nursing homes to take stable, stable uh, COVID patients. Uh, they, they had a window of opportunity in which they could have really made a difference at the nursing homes. And they missed it. And quite frankly, they put COVID infection into these nursing homes. It really was not a smart, competent move that was done by some of these Democrat governors. Uh, New Jersey's another state. New York's one here. We're, we're obviously us here. Now, New York was the worst at it. <clears throat> they actually went all out on it. But the bottom line is they, they actually put the infected but stable patients in these nursing homes, which I think was really uh, distinct. It's really, it was sad because anybody that's been in nursing homes, I mean, that's, that's visited people in them, understands the complete and utter despair that people in nursing homes have. I mean, they they literally, what they look forward to is the interaction with the the workers at the nursing home itself, you know, the people that assist them with things, but also uh, family members. I mean, they look forward to that. I mean, they look forward to the visits and, and whatnot. 
And I think the tragedy on all of this is that this action that our incompetent governor took literally put people in nursing homes on solitary confinement. I mean, this literally was putting them in, in, in their last days, putting them in solitary confinement. And I just think that's an amazing, distinct phenomenon. But I mean, going forward, I think it's, it's, really, it's really interesting as you look at what we're seeing. And I want to get back to some of the numbers. We now have a little over, you know, like I told you what we talked about with the, with the hospitalized numbers. I mean, they're down significantly from where they were. And the curve is gone. The threat of overrunning hospitals is now non-existent, yet we still see our Marxist governor out front putting our civil rights on hold. That's right, putting our civil rights on hold, seemingly indefinitely. Look, Pennsylvania is desperately, I should say they're deliberately miscoding the debts on COVID patients. Colorado's already admitted to doing this. Colorado admitting that they miscoded some some COVID deaths and they they mistakenly uh, exaggerated the numbers. Well, I think we've been doing that here in in Pennsylvania, and I I, I don't think there's anybody admitting to that. I know that the governor's on TV, and and none of them are admitting to the fact that that they are miscoding COVID deaths. And I don't want to miss that because the significance of that is when you're looking at the total fatalities – in the state, you know, that's over, you know, I know, you know, whatever they, they may be, they're going to be, they're going to be skewed by counting numbers in there that from people that didn't die from COVID. I, I don't want to miss this. People that are dying from COVID in the hospital that they're being treated for by COVID. Okay. Those people, in my opinion, that's very telling and that's very distinct. And we, I don't want to miss that because those people that are dying from COVID, okay that are in a hospital, you can, being treated for COVID, you can count those as COVID deaths. But when somebody is a stable recovering patient or someone is not as asymptomatic, they're not showing symptoms, but they have COVID, but they're driving their automobile and suffer a stroke and die, uh, you should not be counting that person as a COVID death. Yet I believe we're doing that here in this state. We're not getting those facts from the governor. And I think the what's really interesting on this is that we're, the 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 state seemingly uh, they're they're just lacking the transparency. If you want an example of how bad they're lacking transparency, go to the state website. I mean, I if I had more time on this show, I I would literally break down the state website and all the opportunities that are on the state website. When I say opportunities, folks, I'm talking about missing information, the stuff that is that's just just not there. Okay. Like, we don't see recovered patients at all on there. We don't see that anywhere. Okay? Um, It's not as simple as taking the fatalities and backing it out of the number of infections. It's not just as simple as that. And I don't want to oversimplify it, but I I don't want to overcomplicate it either. The fact is we have tens of thousands of recoveries. We have thousands of recoveries every day, certainly every week. And I mean, they're outnumbering the new infections by a significant amount, but we don't know what that is because the state is keeping that from us. Why? Because the state wants to prolong this shutdown. When I say the state, I mean the governor. When I say the state, I mean the governor and his his incompetent physician general and his absolute fairy tale of a lieutenant governor, the guy that's Timothy Leary himself. 
they are out there now basically trying to extend and prolong this. And they, they can only do that by by omitting information from the public. Now, you may ask, OK, come on, Clay. I mean, why are they doing that? Why would anybody want to prolong this? I mean, that's just not sensible, Clay. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Well, let me help you, folks. He wants to prolong it because he's looking to help the National Democrat Party, who's already lost this election. They know it. They know they've already lost the election. We're going to get to those numbers in a little bit, the new Gallup numbers and all that. But they know they've lost the election. They're running in a race with a horse that has a heart condition. In this case, the heart condition happens to be some sort of a um, you know mental incapacity that uh, former Vice President Joe Biden just doesn't have. He does not have the mental dexterity to compose three sentences on a good day. Okay, uh, he loses track of his thoughts too easily. The man is being cloistered in his basement for fear of breathing air outside of his house. And and look, all I'm telling you folks is that. They don't have a horse to win, and they know it. They know they're going to lose the House. They just watched California lose its their 25th district. Now, just to put that in perspective, the California 25th is like a D1 or a D2. It's, it's, a, it's a slightly leaning Democrat district, okay? And we and the Republicans won it not just by five or six points. They won it by 56 to 44 percent. They completely thrashed the Democrat candidate. And then in Wisconsin, the Wisconsin 7, which is a Republican seat, a Republican 5, I think, a Republican 6 seat. It's an R5, R6. And what I mean by that is the registrations that are leaning. For instance, in the Democrat, the the, the California 25th, I said it's like a D2 or D3. It's a leaning. The registration, the number of registered Democrats outnumber the registered Republicans by a few percent. Uh, in, in Wisconsin, the number of uh, registered Republicans in that con- in the Wisconsin 7 actually outnumber the, the registered Democrats in that 7 by 5 or 6 percent. But whatever, in that race, the Republicans won by like, uh, I guess they won by, uh, it was like 50, uh, 57 or 58 percent to, to 42 or something like that. They absolutely uh, walloped the Democrat opponents. So the Democrats know they're going to lose these seats. They know they're going to lose the House. They know they're going to lose governor seats. Uh, they know they don't have any candidates. They don't have anybody to win for president. They know they're putting phony polls out there to try to create a horse race, or the or the uh, they're trying to create the illusion, the Coney Island shell game illusion of a horse race. Folks, there's no horse race, and we're going to get to that in a little bit with the with the polling. But anyway. So they, what they're doing is they're trying to gain leverage in the House and Senate. They're trying to gain leverage by forcing the Republicans to want to settle for a third COVID relief bill. They want this. Uh, the Democrats do. They want this because in this third bill, they're going to have bailouts of states that have poorly managed their budget, states that are running with deficits constantly, states that that, that close their budget well, they don't close their budget shortfall. They literally vote on a budget with a deficit. They do this. New York uh, and, and California, two to two, and, and New Jersey are three right there. But there's others as well. Illinois is another bad one. I mean, all these states that are that are d- poorly run states, okay, are are looking to do the well. Ca- well, 
Well, what they're trying to do here in Pennsylvania is they want to leverage. I believe Tom Wolf is trying to leverage the National Republican Party by by uh, by prolonging this. So more people are brought into the super suffering, more businesses close, more people need more relief money. I mean, so then it's going to force that they think it's going to force the Republicans to want to vote for some crazy bill that's going to allow funding for the arts and funding for Planned Parenthood and, 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 and laws that basically allow for vote harvesting on a national level and uh, changing election laws, all these things that have nothing at all to do with COVID relief, nothing. They want in that bill because this is their, this is more than a pet project. This is perpetuating their, uh, their, 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 their uh, political ideology, if you will, forcing it down our throats. But anyway, that's why I think the governor's holding this up. I think they're holding it up, not because they think it's going to make people safe and healthy, but they're holding it up because they want to try to gain leverage on a national level, on a national level. But that's just my personal thoughts. Uh, they obviously have reasons for it. They think it's hurting Trump. It isn't, but they think it is. Uh, Trump's actually doing pretty good in Pennsylvania polling right now. Uh, look, uh, but anyway, getting back to the actual numbers, it's just an obvious case of deliberate incompetence. When you look at what's going on right now, again, according to the state website, there's like 65,000, 68,000, whatever it is, infections, you know, with, with, with what I told you about the hospitalized. And what we're seeing is right now, we're seeing about 1.5%. That's one and a half percent of all those infected. That's one and a half out of every, that's three out of every 200 folks, three people of every 200 that are infected end up in the hospital. This is now showing that it's not like the black death that people claim it is. Uh, you know, it's interesting. You still see these reporters wearing masks. Uh, I think that's very distinct. I mean, what's, what's interesting is Caitlin Collins from CNN at a recent press conference, a recent presser, because they all had their masks on. Caitlin, uh, Caitlin decided she was going to, uh, you know, Caitlin Collins, she, she was going to rip her mask off. Right after the press was over, she takes that mask right off like it was there for the cameras not to keep her safe. They know they don't need it to keep safe. Otherwise, she wouldn't have ripped it off right after the press conference. See, they're putting on an act. This is like a an actor putting on a costume. That's what this is. Like an actor putting on a costume. Caitlin Collins put on her mask, like all these reporters, they put on their masks as an actor puts on a costume. It's to play in a part. They want to play the part of a very concerned uh, individual, concerned about breathing the air around them for fear of getting the Chinese plague. And that's what they're trying to show people. It's not working. I mean, as we drive around, I mean, I'm not just saying this for myself. I see it with my own two eyes, but I'm sure everybody listening to this show sees it. Uh, as you drive around, you're not seeing the people with masks anymore in their cars wearing masks. I mean, you just don't see as much of it. Uh, you see one fraction of it. It's just really a, a very small percentage left of people actually driving. You'll see hundreds of cars that might pass you as you're coming the opposite direction. And you're only going to see a handful of these people wearing masks. Whereas a few weeks ago, they were many of them were wearing masks. I mean, two thirds were wearing masks in their cars. Well, they're not now. You see, they're not convincing Pennsylvanians. They're not convincing Americans across this country that this 
that this COVID is is what it is, what they claim it to be. Uh, I would submit again, folks, I think what we have to realize going forward, I don't want to miss this. I mean, they are trying to build up fear and they're trying to, they're just basically going after people that aren't grounded in truth. They keep claiming to be looking at science and facts. Folks, they're not looking at science, they're not looking at facts. This is all politics of these people. It truly is. Okay, so if I was to say, you know, I mean, I believe T- Governor Tom Wolf and his and his his entourage are trying to worsen this, prolong this this shutdown. They're trying to flatten this economy. Okay, uh, I I would make my case just in what I just suggested. Looking at the website itself, you see the numbers. You see that we're not gaining in, in infection rates. We're not gaining in fatalities, and we're certainly not gaining in hospitalizations. Okay, as a matter of fact, this same governor gets a lot more information than I get at his fingertips. You can make a phone call to the White House and get statistics that that I, you know, I'd have to dig around to try to find. But the same governor, he knows, he gets these facts. He also knows that states like Georgia and Florida and Texas and other states that have opened up are not seeing new infections. They see this too. You see? And I I don't want to miss this. And as I said before, I think his motive is he's trying to gain leverage. But you have to understand, you have to understand that the theology of of a socialist, the theology of a Marxist or a communist or a despot, a dictator, those theologies are diametrically opposed to our American republic and our American way of life. These people have nothing in common with our way of life. They're all out to try to change it. All these activists are out to take this country away from a republic, away from a ruling of the people. Okay, a ruling, I should say a ruling, uh, the, basically the, the, of the, the people being in charge of the government to the government being in charge of the people. I mean, this is what they want. Okay, I mean, these activists are people that are all oppressed. And I mean, and and, and they're they're just constantly oppressed. They're looking at oppression all around them all the time. They see oppression. They see oppressed. They see oppressed citizens in their soup. They see them all over the place. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to instill misery. And they want to prevent the pursuit of happiness of people that are not feeling oppressed or seeing oppression. So as a, as a Pennsylvanian, when I don't see oppression behind every rock and I don't feel oppressed, well, it must be because I'm a massive oppressor then. That's it must be in, the, in their eyes. And so they immediately have a disdain towards me. You know, I mean, the bottom line is people, the socialist Marxists, Joseph Stalin, others, they they got control of their of their of their countries and they basically take away our representation in government that's what their goal is their goal is to make all the decisions without our representation making decisions for us so in a case of our in our case of Pennsylvania our representation is our state assembly that's the state representatives and the state senators well when you've got a governor that is not creating a round table of experts and business persons instead he's got his own little task force of people that many people that are we don't even know he's certainly not trying to to get 
dozens or I should say hundreds of people, the input of businesses to try to figure out how to safely reopen business types all across the state. He's not getting those facts. What he's instead doing, instead of setting up a round table of experts, he's actually creating an echo chamber, if you will, of people around him that are all same minded socialist Marxist type people that want to continue to prolong the shutdown. If anyone was around him that did not want to prolong the shutdown, he would move that person out and move someone in that would support him. And you would not see the news media do their job by reporting it. So then as citizens, we would not get that information. That's called obfuscation of the facts. They would they would omit that fact. They would keep that from us. And that's why Trump would call the media the fake news, the enemy of the people, because they would keep from us the relevant information of what our desperate governors are doing right now. These people are out there, our governors are out there acting like despots and, and dictators. I mean, they, they are absolutely putting our civil rights and our constitutional rights on hold. And it is absolutely breathtaking to me. Okay. I mean, they're stripping away our civil rights and, 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 and it's just, it, we can see it. We got a front row seat. It's happening. Look, folks, we don't have the black death here. We really don't. Okay. And I think the people see it. I think what's encouraging to me is as I'm driving and as I'm out and about every day, I see less people wearing masks driving their cars. I see less people wearing masks outside on a sunny day. That's encouraging to me because a few weeks ago, I saw more masks. And it, 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 it concerned me that these people saw the threat and the fear as being bigger than it actually was. Now, I'm not claiming to be smarter than others. I'm not claiming any of that. I'm simply saying that they are now seeing the light and they're seeing the exaggeration of all of this. I mean, fatalities, hospitalizations, and new infections are down in Pennsylvania. Oh, and they're down in Georgia, Florida, and Texas as well. The difference is they're open and we're not. That's the difference. See, Florida, Georgia, and Texas have ended their stay-at-home orders. Don't miss this, folks. But in Pennsylvania, we got our fatalities, hospitalization, new infections are down as well. And the new infections, as I said, are being outpaced by recoveries. But none of that matters to this fifth dimensional governor because, because quite frankly, his goal is to flatten the economy. That's just the bottom line. I rest my case, Your Honor. See, when you see these people turn their back on facts, instead try to claim science that really isn't even real, they try to heighten and they try to overemphasize concerns. That That's a concern to me. You know, don't miss that. I mean, we're going to keep our state on lockdown until when? I mean, I you know, I, I my opinion, I, you've got some in Harrisburg that want to keep it until we have a vaccine. Well, just so I want to help those people in Harrisburg, these, I don't need these selective lawbreakers, these activists that are in Harrisburg, who believe that we should keep our economy locked down until we have a vaccine. I want to remind them that we still don't have a vaccine for AIDS and we still don't have a vaccine for SARS. We still don't have a vaccine for many viruses. <clears throat> so be careful <laughs> when you say we need to keep things locked down until we have a vaccine. But again, these are the same people who, after they've completely trashed the economy, they're going to offer up their socialist well, their socialist way of government to take care of people because the because companies won't be open anymore. 
So they're going to offer up that new socialist idea. And then they're going to say, well, you know, we, we don't really need to wait for a vaccine, folks. We don't do that. We don't need to do that. We can reopen now. You see, the direction is going to change from these people. That's that's the that's the irony of it all. These people are lying to us. They're lying to us. They're moving the goalposts and we're allowing it to happen. <laughs> this is what's blowing me away. We're allowing them to move the goalposts without political consequence. Well, folks, they're all going to see political consequence in November of this year. They're going to all lose their elections. So many Democrats are going to lose their elections and they're all going to wonder what happened. They're all going to wonder what happened. They won't believe what's happening even while they're watching it from a front row seat. But I want to make sure that we understand this truly is a teachable moment. Because everyone in Pennsylvania, everyone in this country is learning that Democrats in general are more inclined to push the limits with our civil rights than is the Republican Party. That's just what they're all seeing. Okay. We are all we all have a front row seat now how important our civil rights really are now that they're being threatened. It's funny. Before now, there it was all talk. It was all scare tactics, I guess. They thought they thought it was scare tactics by Republicans. Well, now they're seeing these aren't scare tactics. If you want to guess again, just you want to see it again, just go to the California 25th Congressional District and see for yourself. They didn't just lose that seat. They got clobbered. They got absolutely clobbered. Again, their goal is to destroy the middle class, to bankrupt everyone. And then bring in government to save the day like the Calvary. I, I, again, I, I don't know how much longer we're going to stand around and, 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 and not be affected by it. I should say not be mentally affected by it politically. There's going to be a political consequence and we're going to be voting these people out of office. <clears throat> What's interesting, too, is I don't see where, where's the ACLU on all this. I think it's amazing how silent the ACLU is. I've always called them the American Communist Liberties Union. Well, that's why. They're only concerned about civil liberties as re- when, with regard to how it affects the, well, the, the implementation of expanding, I should say contracting the laws, if you will, uh, or expanding the laws over people so that they can, they can institute their, their communist agenda or their socialist agenda. In this case here, it's all about freedoms, and they don't want that. So they're, they're missing an action. I think that's interesting. We don't even hear anything on the ACLU. But again, this is happening in plain sight, folks. Plain sight. Now, I want to talk a little bit about contact tracing. What is it? Because we're, we're hearing a lot about it. We're hearing a lot about it. Some governors want contact tracing. They want it. I mean, you know, it's basically keeping track of restaurant owners, customers rather, having mandatory testing, things like that. Look, these governors are looking at options like possibly taking taking our National Guard, or maybe the Department of Health, the DMV. They, they'll, be, they'll be coming to our homes. They'll be knocking on our doors and asking if we can, if we can uh, test you for COVID. And when you don't want to be tested, there are going to be measures taken if you decide not to cooperate. I mean, this is contact t- tracing. This is what I think is a lot of the goals right now we're seeing from these socialists. I believe some of this is, is being proposed in some states. I think Washington State's got something happening over there. 
I know that Apple and Google are jointly working together to come up with some cell phone apps to make this work. I mean, the way it would work, I guess, I'm, what I'm hearing from all of this is that the apps that are on the cell phones, both people would have to have the app. Both people would have to be smart cell phone users. But it's it's uh, anatomized. It's it's not tied to any name, okay? I mean, at least that's what I'm hearing. It's a way for people who are carrying the virus uh, to learn, you know, who they've been in contact with so that those people can be notified. That's basically what they say it is. We, what we do know is that everything happens in steps and we're gradually stepped into twisted crazy like, you know, I mean, like the frog in the pot of water that gradually comes to a boil. I think what's interesting is what we have to be careful of. It sounds pretty innocent here, but this is the beginning. This is the, the legwork. This is sort of like having, the, you know, mass mail and ballots and how it paves the way for vote harvesting. This paves the way for other things. I mean, uh, I never would think that our HIPAA laws would matter that much. I mean, you sign the sheet that always gives, when you go to the doctor, that, you know, gives permission for them to release your information to somebody in your family. Because the HIPAA laws prevent them from releasing anybody. Well, thank goodness we have HIPAA laws. Okay? <laughs> because I think that these people, I think some of these socialists, like when you have government-run health care like they do in Britain, I don't want to miss this. I want our listeners to know this. In Britain, they have... They've had government-run health care, I believe, since 1947. Long time. Well, in that length of time, they've lost their rights and their privacy. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, in Britain, a company that you work for can get health specifics, detailed specifics of your health. Things like blood pressure, things like that. They can get detailed specifics on your health. And they can deny you a promotion based on that. It happens right now in Britain. That's happening, folks. When we talk about our civil rights being eroded, when we talk about nationalized health care, we're talking about giving away privacy rights, civil rights. You're giving away your due process. You're giving away, you basically let them have it so that you can have the well, free doctors, free checkups, things like that. What you're getting is the low-level care for free, the high-level care, the, the selective surgeries, the whatever you need, the real the real involved surgeries. They cost money. And uh, if you want the government to pay for that, you're going to be on a long waiting list. I sure hope it's not an emergency for you. Just ask the cancer treatment patients out there in, in England right now and how long they have to wait for for basic tests to be run. But as I stated, they've lost those rights in their program. So medical specifics about your health can be released to companies that are looking to promote you or hire you. That's something I don't want you to miss. And that's where nationalized health care can take us, folks. Don't miss that. But anyway, getting back to our state's lockdown. We saw, we, we see how, like I said, they stepped this in, like I talked about before. They stepped this in in, in phases, okay? 
I mean, how do they get away with it? All right. So here in, in, in Pennsylvania, for instance, or even across the country, the stay-at-home orders, when they first came out, the stay-at-home orders were first, but we need to flatten the curve. Well, now after 50-some-odd days, we did that. But now it's like, okay, well, now we have a new goal. We've changed the goalpost. We moved the goalpost. Now it's to flatten the economy. But they're not going to say that. So they're going to say, well, they're going to give us a goal that we can't achieve, like testing for everyone. We have to have more testing. Well, we've done over six, seven, eight million tests already in this country, and none of that matters. We've done more testing in this country than the rest of the world combined. Combined. And they keep saying, well, that's not enough, that's not enough, that's not enough. These Democrat governors saying we need more testing so we can reopen the state. So now they're they're basically saying, okay, it went from flatten the curve to saying we need more testing. We need like 20 million tests a day. That was a number I heard. I couldn't believe it. I mean, they've moved the goalposts. People are fed up with these lockdowns. They're fed up with the lockdowns. And I think it's really amazing, but but what's going to happen, and this is what they're thinking, they want to make people, they want to make people so, so tired of the lockdown that, again, they give away their rights to get out of the lockdown. Well, if you agree to, to submit <clears throat> to vaccines and vaccinations or, or if you submit to testing, if you, if you agree to submit <clears throat> to some of this stuff, if you agree to that, then we'll get us out of lockdown. So what they've done is <clears throat> they basically uh, they convince people to give away their civil rights, their freedoms. Now that is nefarious, okay, and that's very devious, but that's what these people do. I've heard someone say, when you give away your rights, you never get them back. Well, <clears throat> I agree with that. I truly agree with that. Because when, you know, when it's all done and it's all said and done, you have like what the what the Brits have right now in Britain. <clears throat> they have companies that literally <clears throat> say no to hiring them. Because it was discovered that they have high blood pressure or diabetes or something like that. Look, the bottom line is the way contract tracing is you go about your life. You interact with people, and somehow, because of the technology and the phone apps, you're going to have an app on your phone that has all kinds of stuff to it. And, of course, when you accept the app, you're going to agree to give away a portion of your liberty and privacy. You can't get the app unless you do that. And then you're open to all the benefits of the app. I'm using the word benefits in quotes, folks. So you go about your daily life, and suddenly you encounter someone with the virus. You're going to find out. Or if you have it, they'll find out. You know, again, it's one of the mechanisms that these Democrat governors want in place before they reopen their economy. Again, moving the goalposts. Was this their goal all along? Well, of course it was. Their goal all along was to make sure that they didn't waste this crisis. They want to, you know, when you hear people now, from now on, when you hear Republicans declare that they're trying to take away our gun rights, and then you hear the Democrats say they're insane. That's not what we're trying to do. When you hear that, now you can say, well, I don't believe you because I've just watched this. I've just watched firsthand with a front row seat on how you went from flatten the curve to everyone get tested. 
volunteer testing and giving away privacy. How do we go from that, from one to the other? How do we go from, from, from one item flattening the curve to, to the extreme end of it? How, how does that happen? I mean, really, what, what, are, what are Google and Apple trying to really accomplish by jointly doing this? Control, folks. It's all control. It's like 1984. Are we going to have the thought police coming to our home and threatening to arrest and arrest us with a warrant if we don't test? And if they find infection, they're going to take us out and quarantine us out of our home? <laughs> Let me, let me give you a little something here. In Oregon, recently in Oregon, we had a mom who was a business owner in Oregon. <clears throat> I think it was a, a hair salon or something. Anyway, uh, she, she threatened to reopen her business. Well, the state, that's right, the state sent Child Protective Services to her home to take away her, ch- her children. Now that happened. But let's look at what's going on in, in, Fran- in France right now. The elementary schools and, you know, the, how they're trying to practice social distancing in, in the elementary schools in France. I mean, I saw an article on this recently where they actually went out into the back, you know, the back playground areas. And they, 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 they used tape to tape off areas and each kid went into one area. I mean, it, I mean, I. They actually practice forcing social distancing, social distancing on our kids. If you think that our Democrat governors want to preserve your rights, you're sadly mistaken, folks. They want to take away your rights. These Democrat governors want they want to facilitate like a bunch of stormtroopers to take away the to take babies out of their homes because you don't comply with the state. I'm telling you, I, you know, this is what the brown shirts did in Germany. This is what, well, this is what Stalin had done. This is what went on in Venezuela. Look at every socialist country in this in this world in the history of civilization since socialism has been around since the 1850s. I mean, it's an amazing phenomenon, but every one of them res- resort to people being oppressed by their government. Every one of them in some fashion. That happens, folks. Make no mistake about it. And we're seeing it right now. We're seeing it right now. You know, I, I want to shift gears a little bit here, and I want to talk a little bit about what's going on with Michael Flynn. Uh, we've had some new developments this past week. And uh, Obamagate's now out there. We had Barack Hussein Obama addressing a, uh, a bunch of high schoolers <clears throat> trying to promote his globalism. But I want to take a look again at what actually happened with all this. First off, you know, Obama had, and I want to point out that it was revealed in a timeline that I'm going to get to. But basically, we know what happened with Michael Flynn. All right, Michael Flynn and the miscarriage of justice. The the unmasking is is only the smokescreen. We're going to get to that in a little bit. I don't want to get hung up on that as much because I believe that that Obama gave all this and put all this out. Look, we know how I mean, we what we what we need to find out is how they, they found out about Flynn's phone call. We have to find out 
How did they find out about Flynn's phone call? Because if the SB, if the FBI was listening in on Kislyak's calls, how would anyone other than those listening in on the call know it was Flynn? In other words, how did that information escape that surveillance? Someone had to ask someone to go find the call between Flynn and Kislyak. Someone had to be looking for it. Someone had to report this inappropriately to someone in government in, in an effort to basically facilitate a political sham against Flynn and Trump. Well, Andrew McCabe wrote in his book, Who Ordered the FBI to Get Flynn's Call? Now, he wrote in his book that it was Barack Hussein Obama. McCabe wrote that the presidential daily brief staff decided to write an intelligence assessment into, into what extent Putin's involvement was. And then they created a phony link between Putin and Flynn. They then issued a request to the intelligence community. Okay, that's what happened. So now we know it was the presidential daily brief staff. Well, that's Obama's people. Okay, that's Obama. That's who, that's who that is. They didn't go through the normal channels. They didn't do this the right way. It came. This actually came from the Oval Office. They did not come from. This did not come from line from the line uh, the line executives, if you will, within the FBI. Okay, it didn't come from the direct process. So now, you know, again, because you have to understand, to get the presidential daily brief staff involved, that had to come from Obama. I mean, that had to come from him. And it was revealed in the timeline that I'm going to get to. Flynn was always the target. He was always the target all along. Now, I know Kislyak was certainly a target for wiretapping calls, but Flynn was too. He was a target all along. McCabe wrote in his book that the that the presidential uh, that the presidential uh, daily briefing staff issued a request to the intelligence community before the January twelfth Washington Post story, and before the twenty fourth the the interview on on the twenty fourth, where the FBI asked to to have the interrogation of Flynn. So this really makes it look like the Flynn unmasking is simply a smokescreen. The the FBI interrogation was to give cover as to the. Imp- what, as to what initiated the investigation, as well as to get Flynn to lie, okay, that we found out later in that. So let's just get real here, folks. We know that there was no counterintelligence investigation or criminal investigation going on when the interrogation took place. We know this. We know that. We know Bill Precip wrote in his note about what the goal was for the interrogation. It was to get him to lie. We know that, too. Heck, the the FBI had a transcript of the call at this point. I mean, right now you're looking at Obama and Biden are both chief witnesses to all this because they were they were all in on this call on January the they were all in on this meeting on January the fifth. See, here's the timeline: December 29th, they had the call between Kislyak and Flynn. On January 4th, there was Peter Strzok telling the agents that Comey asked. Don't drop the case against Flynn. We still have something brewing here. And then the day after that, they had that meeting in the Oval Office with Obama, Biden, and Comey. And we now know that they knew about the investigation into Flynn 
and the call with the Russian ambassador. We know this now. They knew about this in that call. They didn't have to be briefed about it. So for them to know, they had to give the direction for it. Don't miss that, folks. Don't miss it. For them to know about the call, they had to be in on the direction to the presidential daily briefing staff. And Biden even stated in an interview he had with Good Morning America recently that the decision was made in that meeting on January 5th to pursue the investigation of Flynn were Flynn from that meeting. So that's he's basically referring to the January 5th meeting. And he's saying in that meeting, they made the decision to pursue the investigation to Flynn. So they already knew about the call. They knew about it before they were briefed. And they knew all this because this is this was their plan all along. So now the next day, Comey goes to New York and he meets with Donald Trump on the phony dossier that he already knew was phony at the time. He already knew who paid for it. <clears throat> it was paid for by the DNC and Bill Clinton, uh, Hillary Clinton and laundered through some law firm. And then a week later, on January 12th, David Ignatius's story in the Washington Post comes out about Flynn's phone call to the Russian ambassador. See, I don't want to miss that. That was a week after the January 5th meeting on January 12th. Seven days later, the story comes out in the Washington Post. Now, we can speculate who leaked it to the Post, but I don't want to miss this. All of this took place before the January 24th interrogation of Michael Flynn by Andrew McCabe when he sent Peter Strzok over with another interrogator. So don't miss any of that. Okay? When you ask the question, what did Obama know and when did he know it? Or what did Obama do and when did he do it? When you ask all of that, understand that he had his presidential daily brief staff, according to Andrew McCabe in the Andrew McCabe's book, write an intelligence assessment, okay, and issue a request in the intelligence community to spy on Flint. And to, and to basically listen to that call. And they had the transcript and everything. I just think that's very telling. When you look at this timeline, it says a story, folks. It does. It does. And I, I just want to point that out. We got a few minutes to go here. I want to talk a little bit about what's going on with media malpractice in plain sight. You know, remember what happened with the malpractice with Christine Blasey Ford? I mean, what happened there? could be taught in a journalism class, who could be taught an entire semester of journalism school, showing that the activism that actually replaced the real journalism and showing them that this was a prime exhibit A on how that happened. Remember how the networks covered the Christine Blasey Ford phony accusations against the Supreme Court Brett Ka- you know, candidate Brett Kavanaugh? Well, the media malpractice began with no one commenting or reporting on how Blasey Ford appeared to be specifically dressed to look like a deer in the headlights. If you remember when they she had the interview, the way she was deliberately dressed, the way she was deliberately showing, uh, she had those she had those glasses on that made her eyes look like they were huge. She wore her hair in a certain way. She always looked like she was about ready to cry. The whole point was to make her look like a deer in the headlight. That was the whole point. But they didn't stop there. 
I mean, I thought when you listen to her now, of course, I didn't know the lady and I, I don't I've never heard her on tape, but it just sounded to me like this because I, I know a little of her history. She was an activist. She was a a political uh, player, if you will, in the Democrat circles. And she uh, she was directly uh, associated with Hillary Clinton and uh, in, in political campaigns and, and whatnot and helping Hillary Clinton. These type of people do not come across with quivering voices and 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 they they just don't have that look of quivering. They don't have the look of quivering or the sound of quivering. OK, they just don't. They're generally very confident people. So when you take a confident, bold person and you want to make them look like they're 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 harmless, quivering schoolgirls okay when you want to make that happen when you want to want to make that look like that then you're going to, they're going to have to go through some sort of coaching well remember the actress the star wars actress rachel uh butera when she commented on the obvious she said this woman went through voice coaching i can hear it i can see it well right after she said it my oh my was she ripped apart and she got off of it fast she said, oh i'm going to get out of this because here come the Democrat socialist bullies on social media, and they went after Rachel Butera, who commented on it, the obvious. I mean, she said this woman went through voice training. Well, I knew it. And I didn't even know this lady. Anybody watching her knew this was not this was not a Democrat activist. This was like this was like a librarian who, who never raised her voice above three, de- three, three levels. I mean, she never got her voice above a strong whisper. This is all part of the game that she played to make her look like she was something she wasn't. Well, remember who? Do you remember who? Uh, the some of the activist liars that came out of the woodwork that were also put on national television. Remember Judy Swetnick and the Blasey Four case. Remember her? Well, she accused Brett Kavanaugh of being party to you know gang rapes and stuff like that. Well, she got on NBC. And NBC gave her a national stage while NBC was admitting that they did not verify the accusations that Swetnick made. Couldn't verify anything. But they had this woman on a national stage anyway. They gave her an audience. So even though they put the disclaimer out that they couldn't verify anything, anybody that saw this person on NBC automatically, she had instant credibility because she was on that news channel. I don't want to miss that, okay? They put out these phony experts and the media gave them basically lifted up their credibility by putting them on the news when they they admitted they couldn't be verified. So the amazing phenomenon on all of this is that they put this person on to testify when she couldn't be verified. Why would they do that? Why? Well, ask yourself the question. It's a rhetorical question, of course. I know the answer, but I'd like you to come up with the answer yourself as a listener. You understand that the reason they did that was they're trying to create a narrative. This was not about giving you facts as a listener or as a viewer. This was about getting your opinion swayed by their story. How about Michael Avenatti? Remember him? Well, he was out there during those testimonies, those hearings as well, the Kavanaugh hearings. And uh, now he's he's representing, by the way, uh, you know, he, he was also representing Swetnick, if you remember. Oh, this is the guy that went on to... Uh, Rikers Island. Maybe he went to Rikers jail recently. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I guess he, he got involved in some extortion case against Nike and he got in big trouble. He's in jail for a long, long time. 
But remember the fake news channels had this guy on every day as a fake expert. Remember, they were even some of them touting this guy as a presidential candidate for the Democrats against Trump in 2020. Folks, that actually came out of the mouths of these people. Again, why would why would the news, quote unquote, news channels, I'm going to say that loosely in quotes. Why would they put on a guy like Avenatti when he's obviously an activist? And why would they keep putting him out there when a lot of what he was doing was, well, it was dubious. And then they were trying to lift him up as a possible presidential candidate. Why? Because they were trying to give him credibility. Again, they bring on these fake experts and they put these people out there and they try to give them instant credibility. I don't want to miss that. They do that all the time. They do that because that is what they're trying to they're trying to convince Americans what's going on. It's like these phony polls you see all the time. <clears throat> Joe Biden's out there talking. He goes, oh, the polls show me beating Trump in this state and that. Folks, there, there isn't any poll showing Biden beating anybody, okay? I mean, there's fake polls out there, but the real polls, the real evidence, what you're looking at, Biden can't beat Trump. I'm telling you, there's they know, but Biden knows he can't beat Trump. Gallup just had a recent poll out there. Now, Gallup just get what's interesting is Gallup and a lot of these other polling outfits, they uh, they always oversample independence. Well, it's interesting. And, and again, the uh, party registration at by state, I mean, as uh, as of now, party registration by state is not available by all states. So Gallup, in an effort to just basically justify this, Gallup does a survey and says, how many of you register, identify as a Democrat? How many of you identify as a Republican? How many of you, of you identify as an independent? And being in America, you can expect most people to identify, even if they may be registered as a Republican or registered as a Democrat, they're going to want to say, well, I register, I, I, I re- recognized as an independent more than anything else. A lot of people are like that because you're an American. A lot of people want to pride themselves in their independence. That's just my opinion. But whatever, I mean, it, it's an issue because when you say that 31% of an electorate is, you know, in a, in a presidential electorate, 31 in a presidential election of 2016, 31% was Democrat, 30% was Republican, 36% independents. That is wrong, folks. Absolutely wrong. How do I know that? Because in Pennsylvania, for instance, we do know in Pennsylvania that 38% of the state is Republican. We do know 45% is Democrat. And we do know the balance is independent. We know that. We have six and a half million voters in this state. We know this. I think what's interesting, we're going to get to some of these numbers because we're going to run out of time here. I can't get into all this. So we're going to get into this with Annette on the Watchman later. But I want to point this out. Be of good cheer. I'm going to sum it up here on the point. But uh, we'll get more into detail on this on the Watchman. And we're going to get into some other relevant information on the Watchman as well. Uh, with regard to, uh, you know, what's going on in the in the world right now with the COVID shutdowns and so forth and, and whatnot. But I, I just want to point out, and again, I just want to point, and, and the Democrat, I want to get to the, I want to get to Pelosi's $3 trillion bankrupt the middle class bill, the Make China Great Again bill. I want to get to that with uh, Annette this afternoon, and we're also going to get to these polls. And I want to talk a little bit about Obama addressing the high schoolers in a commencement speech. I want to talk about that. So we're going to get to that later today. But anyway, I want to give you some encouragement just so so you understand, okay? 
in this election cycle, there's there's about 89 million registered Republicans, about 98 million registered Democrats, and about 47 million registered independents. We know that just basically by sheer numbers, there's 235 million registered voters. Okay, so if you go on the premise that, you know, high 30s are registered Republicans, low 40s are registered Democrats across the country. If you take those numbers, of course, I'll skew the number a little bit. I use 38 percent for uh, Republicans and 40. uh, I used uh, 45 percent of I'm sorry, 42 percent for uh, Democrats. I used 38 and 42 and then um, I used 20% for independence. I mean, that's just what I did. But I mean, I think that's a probably a reasonably close percentage of what you see with a party breakdown, party affiliation breakdown across this country. But based on those numbers, if the Republicans come out at 64% or more, and the Democrats fail to break 58% of their party, based on the numbers, based on the percentage of Republicans that like Trump, and the percentage of Democrats likely to vote for Biden, that means the balance will go for the other candidate. Based on that, Republicans will be ahead by about 4 million votes before the independents are ever counted. And the independents likely will represent about 12 million votes. So if we're up by about 4 million before 12 million independents are counted, I would submit to you that we're likely to win overall because the Democrats would have to just about get all the independents to make up that balance. You know, they have to get like 8 million of them, of the 12. You know, three quarters of them, two thirds of them. They're not going to get two thirds of them, folks. So be of good cheer. Don't believe the phony polls. Everyone, including Joe Biden, knows they don't have a chance in this upcoming election. But anyway, stay tuned for us. Uh, tune in next week with us uh, back here on The Point. We appreciate you being with us. But tune in later this afternoon because we're going to get into some of these Gallup numbers And I also want to get into Obama's commencement speech and, of course, Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats' $3 trillion bankrupt the middle class bill that they want out there. I want to get into all of that so that we can uh, unpack that for you later this afternoon. So, well, anyway, thanks for tuning in. We thank our listeners for being with us today. We appreciate you being here, truly. Tune in every Saturday morning right here on AM Radio, 1180 WFYL at 7 a.m. For this distinct discussion, some of our audience listens to the point by going to the website 11awfyl.com and clicking listening live during normal airtime. Some listen to our show by going to YouTube during normal airtime and then then searching 1180wfyl on the YouTube and then clicking listen live there. Others just listen to us on the radio and then in the listening area. Others uh, pick up the podcast right away, which we appreciate as well. However you choose to do it, we appreciate you tuning in. Thanks for being with us today on The Point. I'm Clay Brees. See you next week. Goodbye for now.